Hello, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a PYP Teacher. This is Lou Gerlock, and welcome to confession number 76, where we're going to look at play versus playfulness. <sighs> Ever since the last episode, I have struggled with this gnawing feeling that I was not quite right. And I don't like spreading misconceptions because that they are so easy to do. And I, you know, as I started to unravel um, this idea of play for older students, I then started digging deeper. And I'm going to have to admit it, my friend Mondrea Mitchell, or if you're listening out there, my friend, I think she was right, is that it's different for play for older years um, than it is for younger. And maybe that's where this notion of playfulness comes in and that yeah you're if you're sitting there and saying what i don't quite get it so what's the difference between play and playfulness so i think now i think and that's how we go through life and and go through evolving as a human being is that play is truly that open-ended construction of meaning and making sense of the world it's children who are blank slates who are who are exploring and creating on their own to make um generalizations about things that are new to them they're they're just absolutely blank canvases and how they construct their notion and their understanding of the world around them. And they do it through varied ways, but the play is generally the perceived vehicle which that goes through. Now, playfulness, while using the concept of play to bring about more opportunities for learners to explore deeper concepts, and you're going to say, but isn't that the same thing? And I think of it like this. There's something to be said for being a young child. It's a time, specific time in our life where we are growing and developing as young people and getting our own identity of what it means to be me and what it means to be part of a community or different communities. What does it mean for the world to work and how does it work in its million different ways? And how do I connect different ideas that I've never considered before? That is what it means to be a young child. But for all of us that are older, when we say that we want to come back to that moment in time, we want to be childlike. We want not childish because that denotes something negative, but childlike, where we don't lose that sense of wonder and awe and, and intrigue. That is kind of like the difference between play and playfulness. Makes sense? And once I made that connection this week, I was like, oh my goodness, I went down the wrong rabbit hole. But isn't that the beauty of learning? Learning, 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 right? This is how we become better people and evolve. And I have no qualms of saying I was wrong because we are wrong at, at many 
different uh, points that pivot us towards the right. And isn't that gorgeous? I love that. And so as I was unraveling all of these pieces, I came across a reference to this book of called Mind in the Making, The Seven Essential Life Skills Every Child Needs. And I was thinking of that young learner learning to make way in the world and, and utilizing their mind. And this book is written by Ellen Galinsky, where she explores how making connections requires learners to think differently. And I think these connections that she talks about can be used as a vehicle to describe play. So she goes into four major areas that it was a huge aha for me. In fact, I was researching for some complete other purpose and it went click, 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 click. Okay. Ah, I just love learning. So the first thing is similarities. A young child through play is trying to figure out how are things, objects, right? Loose parts, um, materials, how are they similar? And they do this by sorting and classifying objects, not only by size and shape and color and texture and function. They're, they're constantly taking anything that they encounter and sorting and classifying, right? It's a, it's a continual process. So they can make way through those comparisons. Equally, they're also looking at differences. And oftentimes we polarize those two um, skill sets, but really you need to know how things are similar so that you can then determine how they're different. So I'll give you an example where um, in this book it, uh, of looking at birds, we have this commonality of understanding of what are the features of birds. And, you know, that they fly, you know, that they're winged creatures, that they have life birth, you know, all of that, that they live in nests. And then you throw in a penguin in there, and that is not a bird that flies, but it's still a bird. And so then how does that work? And then you throw an ostrich in there, and you're like, ooh, how does that work, right? Um and so, and then you think of, we don't often think of a peacock or a turkey flying because we think, how could those two birds fly? But they, in fact, can fly. And I've actually seen peacocks fly up to trees. And, and so all of that is looking at those differences and being able to sort and look at them and say, hmm, what is that, right? Then the next piece is, builds on this is relationships, where learners are building connections by understanding how things are related. That makes sense. Um, for example, if they see pictures of a ball, a bat, and a mitt, and they might see them as separate objects, but then building relationships is helping them recognize that we utilize these three pieces of equipment to play a game. That is building relationships. How do we take 
isolated facts and figures and encounters in the world and give them contextualized meaning and be able to sort them even further into subgroups. This is also, of course, so foundational in what they're doing in understanding building relationships with people as well. It goes beyond just objects. It goes with people and looking at themselves and who am I and who is my family and people outside of my family and how do I learn to appropriately function in different social circumstances? Because when I'm doing the, uh, social interactions outside of school, they're going to be less formal. And so this allows a young child to create generalizations of how they operate in various communities. And finally, Galinsky uh, talks about unusual connections. How are we allowing learners to combine relationships, similarities, and differences to make these unusual connections? So I'll give you an example that might be in a unit for how we express ourselves. You show a picture of someone singing in a rock band, but then you also show a, a picture of a ballerina dancing. There, and the commonality or the unusual connection is that both of them are performances, right? They might perform to a different type of audience, but both are designed to focus on an audience, to entertain. And those are all unusual connections. That's much deeper than, hi, I'm sorting and classifying similar and different. And all of that wondrous connections, um, all of those great building blocks for the future are made through play where we get out of the way but we're where as we know with inquiry we know through play that that play the loose parts the pieces that they're sorting are put together and crafted with a purpose but how it's utilized how it's applied is so open-ended to the user and that is the magic of play. So now let's look at playfulness. As we talked about, when I'm thinking about playfulness now, my new aha is how do we then transfer this sense of similarities, differences, relationships, and unusual connections to older students? Because this is how we further develop our generalizations of the world. You know, in, as we age, we have a consciousness of how basic things function in this world and our role of making it happen or not. Because there are things that happen in the world and that will happen without human interaction. And so how, when we're coming to that deeper level of understanding, are we adding playfulness into the practice or taking it away because we feel that our learners don't need it anymore? And I guess that's more what I'm advocating for. I think there should be equal amount of playfulness in the practice so that learners can continue their journey towards self 
discovery, and inquiry learning. So if I'm looking at the idea of playfulness, I found a really thought-provoking article called Defining Playfulness from Psychology Today. And I'll um, put the link in the description. And what's really been interesting um, to me was this quote. It said, playfulness is in part an openness to being a fool, which is a combination of not worrying about competence, not being self-important, not, not taking norms as sacred, and finding ambiguity and double edges a source of wisdom and delight. I just, I'm sitting here when I hear that. That to me it captures everything that I think of when I'm thinking of an older child engaging with playfulness. We are open. We are willing to look like fools. We're willing to take chances. We are not worrying about, am I smart enough? Am I pretty enough? Am I whatever enough? Because we get bogged by those details as we age, especially kids that are on the cusp of teenagehood. Not being self-important. I'm not going to puff up that I'm liked. I'm not going to buy into that social scheme that we're all equals. And I'm not going to make those norms sacred, meaning that everything that society has dictated to me of how I should act and be and feel and think, I'm going to throw them outside the door so that I can allow alternative thinking to come into play. And then I'm going to find that as I do this and I'm walking within ambiguity, that I'm going to find wisdom and delight. I love that idea. And, you know, when I see playfulness happening, this is exactly what comes to my mind. And, you know, we're acting like fools to create and to play without restrictions. And this playfulness allows for learners to take those risks, to solve those problems with alternative solutions, and to create something magical and new. Isn't that the whole purpose of education? Personally, and you know when you as an educator have had those teachers that allowed playfulness to thrive in your practice, when the classroom was curated just for you so that you could be playful and those that were not. And so as we go in to this next piece, regardless if you call it play or playfulness, really the foundation is the same, but the purpose is different. Remember, play is for children to be able to define what the world is and how it functions. And as we age, we already know that, but we have elements of it that we're building on. And so we have to keep that level of playfulness there so that they can further build on and add to their generalizations. I hope you've enjoyed this series as much as I have. It taught me a lot about myself as an educator and how to be more playful. I do suggest using 
that conceptual lesson cycle that I brought forward last time as a means of practicing and inviting your playfulness into your classrooms. Because this is what it's all about. This is, you know, it's just about taking one step every day to become better and to become more agentic and allowing our students to become more agentic. So I can't wait to explore the next episode with you. And I hope you have a wonderful day.